Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. Today is November 10th, 2020, everybody's best year of their lives. Uh, we all love 2020. And uh, I'm joined today by Lando, Matt, and uh, our tech guy, Keys. Uh, Chad couldn't be on the show today, but he does say he misses you guys and he hates his job. But uh, how's everybody else doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, been a been a, a an interesting yet uh, kind of eventless weekend for myself. Uh, you know, Alabama bye week. Went down to the borough. Saw some family. Didn't see any deer. Really boring weekend. It's really hot down in South Georgia still. It was like 83 with 100% humidity. Uh, but overall, great weekend. Uh, Lando, how was your weekend, man? Well, my weekend was pretty good. Like you said, it was pretty uneventful. There wasn't a whole lot of good games on. Uh, Oklahoma played Kansas and destroyed them, as I imagined they would. Really, this weekend was just me getting prepared for this upcoming weekend with the Masters going on in Augusta. In the fall, it's going to be beautiful. Hopefully, Tiger Woods doesn't blow us back out and, and wins another Masters. Whit, how about you, man? Yeah, I had a good weekend. You know, another weekend of uh, going out, watching some football, drinking a little bit of beer. Um, I had a good time. Went back over to Valentine's like I like to do. For the Georgia games, haven't gotten to do that for the past couple of weeks. I've been going out of town or had other stuff going on. Um, I actually got to have a chill night on Friday, which was much needed. And uh, Saturday, I almost ended up having a chill day, too. And, and then some people ended up talking me into going out, and I, I made a bunch of friends at the UGA bar watching Georgia get their butts kicked in by Florida um, and watching probably some of the worst QB play I've ever seen in my entire life. But besides that, I had a pretty good weekend. Hey, Tech Guy Keys, how was, how was your weekend? I had a pretty good weekend, too. I didn't get to watch as much football as I'd wanted during the weekend. I had to catch up on it afterwards. But uh, we, we went down hunting as well. I actually did see a deer. I got my first deer hunting this weekend. So that was awesome. I watched about 15 minutes of the Georgia-Florida game. As, uh, one of our guys pulled it up on his phone in the deer stand before we lost service. So I, I we basically tuned in just long enough to see them getting their butts kicked. And then we just we didn't care anymore after that. So... Yeah, didn't didn't get to watch much football, but but had a pretty good weekend down on the farm. So, whose farm were you at? Oh, it was uh, it was our friend William's farm. It's his, his parents have like a organic farmers market farm. They got like six hundred acres down in Roberta. Pretty awesome. Dang, that is awesome. Man, you need to get me down there. Yeah, man, it's going down. <laughs> I'm still, unfortunately, as a little bit of a weird thing about me, I've never shot a real gun before. So I've been looking for an opportunity to where I could do that. I feel like a feel kind of like a wuss for not being able to do that. But yeah, that that actually blows my mind that you've never shot a real gun. How how is that even possible for a a man that lives in the South that was that was born and raised in Georgia, and now lives in Tennessee? How is it even remotely possible you've never even shot a gun, a real gun before? And spent my last four years in Statesboro, Georgia. Yeah, I, I was about to say that was that was the biggest surprise to me was that you lived in Statesboro, and you never even shot a gun in Statesboro. Like I remember, I was down there for a Christmas break, and one of my fraternity brothers was like, "Hey, man, I'm not going home yet. You should come over." And we went over and hung out at his house, and just randomly, like he had an AR-15, and he's like, hey, let's go shoot some beer cans. And I was like, this sounds like a fun idea, and we just shot an AR-15 in Burkhalter. So so surprised that you didn't manage to at least shoot a gun in, in Statesboro. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I have tons of friends down there who are just gun freaks. 
I mean, I was with one of them a couple weekends ago, two weekends ago for his engagement party. And that, like half the time I was hanging out with him, he was cleaning out one of his uh, one of his ARs. So, like, I mean, I've, I've had I, I should have had plenty of opportunities. No one's ever asked me to do it. I've never really made an effort to do it. I've come to learn that, like, if you if you have it, I'm what, I'm, what, I'm 24 now. If I haven't shot one by now, then I'm I'm yeah, I'm a lost cause at that point. No, nah, man, that, that's how never I feel about never. golf. <laughs> I I all of my friends oh, play golf. Every one of you play golf, right? Matt, you play golf, right? Yeah, you, I, you guys. I all play, play golf. I'm I don't play golf well. See, I've never played golf. I've I've driven a few times on a, on a range, but I I've never gone out. And all like all of my friends are really avid golfers, and I just never have been out there with them. And I don't want to like go out there and like slug them down for a day but i do need i do want to get out there soon honestly the best way to do it is just to go i had never really golfed before until i went went to college and i worked at the georgia southern golf course and it was just like one day i was like you know what i've never actually i would go hit on the range and i hit on the range for like a week and then i went out and i just started golfing and you got to rip the band-aid off once you rip the band-aid off honestly it's not that bad like you're gonna hit some bad shots like i said i'm still not very good but you'll get better yeah, I only started playing golf like maybe it's been almost two years now, but um, I started playing golf because uh, I had a class. It was a coaching class where we had to sign up with one of the local teams in Statesboro and we had to help coach uh, one of their teams. So I decided to help coach out Southeast Bullock Middle School and their golf team. So I went and got a set of golf club for, for like half off at uh, Academy Sports. And that's how I got into playing golf. And I was out on the golf course at Georgia Southern at the range like three times a week just trying to get it down so that way I didn't look like a fool in front of eight-year-olds. I will say this about Lando's golf game. That man got pretty good at golf, but faster than I've ever seen anyone get pretty good at golf. I mean, he's he was never like a guy. He's not going to go out there and shoot under par or anything. I mean, I don't know how he's playing now. It's been a while since we played together. But back when we were at Georgia Southern playing together, I mean, he was – I mean, I've been playing since – eighth grade i mean like i I don't i don't go out and play every day but i play pretty consistently and i've I've taken golf lessons and stuff i mean he was he was keeping up with me i think he beat me a couple times too yeah um i played with lando's one impressive athlete if y'all don't know that i played with one of my buddies down here about almost a month ago and this is the first time i've played like meaningful golf in, in a while and we decided to play for a little bit of money and i was like okay I need to I need to, to play smart golf here, you know. If 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 my driver stops working, put it in the bag and, and leave it alone. You know, if I see a water hazard over there that I I don't think I, I can make, just lay up and then you know hit it over and then just you know s- save my strokes and, and 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 save the hole. And I hit one uh, one ball. Uh, I think it was like hole eighteen, not eighteen, but like sixteen. And it was the best shot I've ever hit in my entire life. It was freaking awesome. And that was when I knew I'm actually pretty decent at golf. I ended up losing the money, but I'm still pretty decent at golf. If you're, if you're thinking like that when you're on the golf course now, you must be a lot better than we used to play with me. Because when me and you used to go up there and play, if you saw water, you used to go, man, I could hit it over that. You'd go I'm going for it. for it. You were the most aggressive golf. Oh, my gosh. Going for but it. man, when you – I mean, you – you hit the ball long. Like that was the thing about you that was like kind of just odd, man. It was you were like your drives were long and straight. I mean, you you duff a couple shots and you'd miss some putts. But I mean, the length from you only playing for like a couple of months was just unbelievable. I still hit pretty you long, like some but golfer, but but like you said, I've gotten a lot smarter. And you know, sometimes just like 
I could risk it and, and try and try to carry that you know that bunker or, or, or that water hazard, but I'd rather play it smart and, and hit it somewhere to where I know I'm not going to screw this up. Keys, why have you never played golf? I I don't know. I grew up on a golf course, but we just weren't part of the country club. And I don't know. Everybody did it. I've just never gotten out there because um, I mean, like I have like pr- this janky like ghetto set of clubs that the people who bought our house before us left us but like i've never used them because they're garbage but like i don't know i just i just never go out i don't have a membership to a country club and nobody ever asks so i'm like oh. man as long as i've known you and as long as my family has been members of married country club in atlanta i, <laughs> I there's probably about 100 times i should have taken you yeah thanks yeah even wit has taken me to the marietta country club and it was awesome that was that was awesome he asked <laughs> He asked to go. <laughs> I didn't know you ever wanted to play. Hey, Wit, you want to you wanna play some golf? Yep. We're playing golf. New bet of the week, $15 bet, Wit beats Keys at golf. Oh, well, I'm losing that money. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not doing that. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our uh, college football discussion. This week, we actually have a couple mailbag questions that got sent in. These are our first mailbag questions, so uh, they're very special to us. They're, these are very special questions to us. And uh, the first one we're going to go with is from at Gaines with JB. Uh, we got his DM off Instagram. And uh, his question is, with Texas A&M's big win over South Carolina and a Florida win over Georgia this past weekend, which do you think has the best chance of making the playoff, assuming Bama wins the SEC, Clemson redeems their win over Notre Dame after getting Trevor Lawrence back? And uh, he's wondering if you think that Texas A&M with one loss would get in, undefeated BYU or Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I think that Georgia losing blows the door wide open for a team like Cincinnati or BYU to get in. But if A&M wins out, and their schedule's pretty favorable. I looked at it today. Um, again, I think they're supposed to play Tennessee this weekend, and then they've got, I think, Auburn – uh, I don't, I don't remember the other ones, but they, they, I mean, they have a, a good chance of winning out. Now, I think a lot of it has to do with what happens in the SEC championship too, because, you know, if Alabama wins out and Florida beats Alabama, then I think that Florida plays their way in and Alabama would still get in. But I, I, th- I think of those three teams undefeated BYU, I don't think BYU has the strengths of schedule with a win to hang their hat on. I mean, Boise State, they were ranked in the top 25, but I wouldn't really say that that's a, a major win for them. Uh, Cincinnati doesn't have that marquee win. Uh, A&M has a win over Florida, and that is better than any win that any of those other two teams are going to have. And I think that, that that allows if Bama runs the table – Notre Dame loses to Clemson, and it's not close. I think that's the other key point. It has to be not close for Notre Dame to get knocked out. Uh, and then I would say, yeah, A and M's the team that I would I would put in uh, as as my fourth team in that scenario. Uh, what are you guys thinking? Well, uh, for me, it depends on how good those three teams look for for the rest of the season. Uh, it depends on how well A and M plays for the rest of the season. They have looked good at times. They have looked subpar at times. If AM wants to make the playoff, they need to, one, win out, and two, they need to play exceptionally well to make the playoff. Uh, if everything plays out like, like the question says, 
Uh, if it were me, I would rather put in an undefeated BYU who, yes, they haven't played, you know, top caliber t- talent over the season, but they have looked really good playing the teams that they that they have scheduled. Uh, if Notre Dame, well, when Notre Dame plays Clemson again in the uh, ACC championship game, if Clemson blows them out, which could very well be possible, I don't know, uh, then definitely I think I would put BYU in over all the other teams. I think of those three teams that he's asking about, A&M, in that scenario, A&M would be the team to go in just based upon strength of schedule, the fact that they would have beaten Florida. Um, like as of now, Auburn is still ranked. Um, I don't know if they would still be ranked if A&M were to beat them and they add another loss to that record. Um, in my opinion, I think Cincinnati is the best team out of those three from what I've seen. And I actually think that the American Conference is stronger than – I don't know if it's – I don't know if I'd say they're stronger than ACC, but I'd say they're they're one of the stronger conferences this year compared to even some of the Power Five conferences. I like a lot of the teams in there, and I think – and they're blowing out everybody. Um, so I, if, if it were me choosing, if I had to, like, vote, I probably would vote for Cincinnati. But I think A&M has the best shot. But he didn't ask for Notre Dame, but in this scenario, he has Clemson beating Notre Dame, which I'm assuming – that means that Clemson and Notre Dame went out to get to the ACC championship. Um, I think in this scenario that Notre Dame would probably make it over Texas A&M too because Notre Dame would have had to have beaten North Carolina, who will probably be ranked by the end of the year again. Boston College, who they play this weekend, and I think Boston College is a pretty good team too. And then they've already beaten Clemson, who if Clemson were to beat them again, will probably be a top two or three team. So I think Notre Dame would probably make it over a one-loss A&M. But out of the three teams that he put in there, I'd probably say A&M would make it. But I think Cincinnati would be the most deserving out of those teams to make it. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think the committee is going to look at which team is going to give the best challenge to that number one team, either Alabama or Ohio State. Is Cincinnati going to play really well against Alabama or are they going to go in there and stink up the show? Is BYU going to do the same thing? Are they going there and play well, or are they going to stink up the show? The committee wants teams in there that will validate the committee and make people think, oh, the committee knows what they're talking about. The committee knows what the best four teams in the country are. I mean, if, if Clemson blows out Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence, then that – kind of goes back and solidifies the fact that the three best teams in the country are Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Not in that any particular order. I honestly think that the one seed has become so much more important this year because for for me, I'm thinking if Alabama goes in as the two seed and has to play Ohio State in the semifinal, that's a lot tougher of a game than going in as the one seed and playing against you know, A&M again or Notre Dame. But uh, this scenario is a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Uh, I I think you're right. I think Notre Dame probably would be the one that got in just because they did beat Clemson. And I think that that's going to – that's kind of where they're going to – the committee is going to have to play into the how much are we valuing guys being out of games for COVID. Because if Trevor Lawrence – because he missed that game – does that change anything in their mind about Clemson or are they just going to chalk that one up to the number one 
NFL draft pick next year, missed a game, and his team lost in overtime. Yeah, one thing over the weekend that really puzzled me was how Trevor Lawrence w- wasn't playing in the game because of COVID, but he was still allowed on the sideline. Yeah, that made no sense. But apparently it had something to do with like the cardiovascular effects of COVID, and they want to clear Trevor Lawrence with the, from having like myocarditis or anything like that. He's not contagious anymore, but they want to make sure that he doesn't have any cardiovascular issues before he goes out there. I still think it's stupid. If he feels fine, go ahead and check him. If he's good, he's good. But I don't know. I guess that's an NCAA liability thing. Per ACC rules, is he going to be playing this weekend? I'm assuming he is. Um, after seeing Mark Rick's little, uh, did you guys see Mark Rick's? Yeah, he dressed up with just Trevor Lawrence did like the kind of deal. That was that was hilarious. Cringe. That was hilarious. I love me some Mark Rick. It was it was it was funny. Wait, that's a shocker that you like Mark Rick. <laughs> was that serious? or Was that a joke? <laughs> I'm assuming that was a joke. Absolutely. Uh, another thing. This is just another rabbit hole I'm getting myself into. I wonder how bad Notre Dame is going to feel the effects of the college students storming the field after the game, because you had yeah. you had a whole bunch of people on the field, unauthorized people on the field, mixing with coaches and players. You don't know where these players, where these people have have been, who they've been in contact with. This could possibly really hurt Notre Dame in the long run. Well, so far. Uh, as a this this week has been COVID central for mostly uh, SEC teams actually because you know we got um, LSU Alabama was canceled Texas A and M Tennessee was canceled um, I know a lot of a couple of players on Missouri have also gotten it I don't know if they're talking about canceling the Georgia game this weekend or not yet but Notre Dame is one of the few teams that has not had positive tests this week which is kind of which is kind of shocking to me because yeah you're right I mean some of the the pictures of the students storming the field was like insane like i'm surprised they let them do that like i'm surprised they didn't have something ready to go for well, like what, i mean they knew they had a chance to win that game what are you gonna do i mean twenty thousand people rush the field what are you gonna do i i know that they've mandated they they like mandated all students get tested and like the president and and players and like the president of, of the university like came out with a statement basically saying like if you do it again we'll shut it all down yeah i saw that so the the obligatory response. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think, like I was I was gonna say like about the SEC is like I don't really think it matters where you're at in the world right now. COVID is out there, like, and and you're telling college students don't go to parties or don't do this, and I think that's why the SEC. I mean, unironically, two weeks after Halloween. And all those Halloween parties, suddenly there's a huge increase in COVID cases. Like, shocker, college kids still want to get drunk and and go to parties. I mean, I, I don't know. Are you telling me the football players go to parties, Matt? I'm pretty sure these football players are straightforward, headfast students that uh, stay away from the, the devils of alcohol. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. The, the SEC football players would never go want to go to a, a party where there is alcohol and girls. Why would they ever want to do that? We'll move on to our next question. Uh, We actually have two from at KissMcNasty106. He was wondering if BYU and Cincinnati were in the Big Ten or the Big 12, what would their records be? What do you guys think about that? 
I think that they would be at the top of the conferences. The Big 12 is not that great, and the Big 10 is not that great. And both of these two teams are playing really good football this year. And they match up well with any Big 12 school. They match up well with any Big 10 school. Because the only team in the Big 10 is Ohio State. Uh, Penn State's no good. Michigan is no good. Michigan State's no good. They are they are a weak conference. In the Big 12, there's a, there's a little more parity. Uh, the teams are a little better, but they're still, they're not like SEC caliber teams that, you know, not many people can match up to. I think their records would be pretty good. I think they would be at the top of the conference. Personally, I think it's hard to tell because we haven't seen Wisconsin yet in the Big Ten. Um, I know they looked pretty good week one, but obviously any, everybody looks good against Illinois. They're, they're terrible. They're one of the worst one of the worst uh, college football teams in the country. They had a really good year last year, but or they had a good year for them. But, but I think that BYU and Cincinnati would probably be on that same – level as like an Indiana in the Big Ten. Indiana's been playing really good football this year. I'd say they're probably easily the second best team in the Big Ten without having seen Wisconsin for the past two weeks. Um, I don't think either one of them would compete with Ohio State, obviously. I think Ohio State would probably blow both of them out. Um, and then Big 12, I could see, I could easily see them being one and two over like Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, those kind of teams. Um, I think Oklahoma has been playing good football lately. I could probably, I could, I think you could say that Oklahoma would be above them, but I'd say they'd be in that top three at least. Yeah, Oklahoma is still a young, young football team. They have a lot of things they need to figure out, but they are getting vastly better. Yeah, I mean, you can tell as the year's gone on, they've improved. Even Spencer Rattler, like I know his first game, he went off, and then. After that, he kind of started to slow down a little bit, started turning the ball over, started making some worse decisions. But I feel like after the after that Texas game, since then, he's really started to turn it on a little bit. It's hard to compare him when, like, you see BYU. I mean, who's BYU played this year? They've played Boise State, Navy, Troy, Louisiana Tech, UTSA, Houston, Texas State, Western Kentucky. Yeah, like, none of the teams they've played would compete. In any, I mean, Troy is one of the worst teams in the Sun Belt. Like, they're... These aren't right now. You, they're usually pretty good, but they're—I mean, Georgia Southern beat them last last week. They're—they're they're just not playing good teams, and it, like, and yeah, they're blowing them out. I think it's kind of like how, and I mean, people compare it to the UCF from 2017 story, where they blew everybody out, and then of course at the end of its in the season, they went and played Auburn, and of course claimed a national championship. The teams that UCF played that year were way better than the teams that BYU was playing. So I like, and I understand that they're getting some they're getting some credit and I mean they're playing really well and I, I think they would compete just by watching them play. I think they compete with um some of the better teams in the power five. Like I think they could like I said, I think they could compete with like Indiana and, and I think they'd probably it might even be better than like Michigan and Penn State right now who have looked not great through these first couple of weeks. Um but I mean I don't think they're a top ten team or anything. So what you're saying is BYU and Cincinnati are n- just as good as Michigan and Michigan State? BYU and Cincinnati are both better than Michigan State. I meant Penn State if I said Michigan State. Penn State, I think that they've started out 0-3, so they really haven't played well. I would say I think Cincinnati is better than Michigan and Penn State this year from what I've seen. I do not think BYU is better than Cincinnati and Michigan State. Now, if they still have a couple bye weeks left, they played eight games, they have two more games to play. I 
think they're they're independent, so they can play as many games as they want. They could play 12 games. I've heard that they're looking to add some stronger teams to their resume where so they could show that they are a good enough team to compete for that playoff spot. I don't know if that'll actually happen or not because I don't know of conferences. I know the ACC is letting teams play out of conference. Um, I think they're only letting letting one one game uh, for each team. But if like I know like some of these Big Ten teams are having to cancel games. I know the Pac-12 is going to have to do that. So if BYU can add one of those Power Five games to their schedule, I think they could actually have a chance to make the playoff and show that they can compete. It's just too hard to compare them with who they've been playing. Cincinnati is a little bit different because I think their conference is a lot better. So Michigan State lost to Iowa this past week, 49-7. to Okay. Yeah, I, I think they're both better than Michigan State. I meant Penn State. Okay. Penn yeah, State I, and Michigan. I was just trying to like <laughs> – Try, 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 try yeah, to, no. <laughs> you, 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 Michigan State is not very good. Yeah, you were confusing me there. Um, like I said, I think BYU would be at either, you know, second, definitely second, at least second in the Big Ten. We haven't seen Wisconsin play yet, but from what I've seen in the Big Ten, they're not good. So they would be at least second in the Big Ten. In the Big 12, they'd be one or two. You think BYU and Cincinnati could compete with Ohio State? That is so I'm gonna get some some crap from our listeners here, but this is just the truth. Ohio State hasn't played anybody. And I know BYU and Cincinnati haven't really played anybody. But I, for both team for both teams, it would be a really good game. So yes, I'm gonna say they would compete with Ohio State because neither team has played anybody, so neither team knows what their their team truly is. So I would think it would be a good game. I think Cincinnati would be better off in the Big Ten than BYU would be off in the Big Ten. And I think that they would both be okay in the Big 12. But I think that Cincinnati – I think Cincinnati is good enough that they would run the table in the Big 12. I don't think BYU is. I can see BYU losing to Texas, Oklahoma, any of those teams. Yeah, well, we'll go ahead and move on to Kiss McNasty 106's Second question. Uh, his second question is: So, Penn State and Michigan are zero and three and one and two, respectively. Are Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin on the hot seat because of the way that they've started out this year? What do you guys think? Yeah. So I've kind of hit on this uh, the past couple weeks about Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is definitely on the hot seat. He still hasn't beaten Ohio State, and he won't beat him this year. And his team is zero and three. And they look absolutely terrible. I don't know what he's doing. I don't think his team, I don't think his message is getting to the team anymore. I don't think he really relates to the players. Uh, There was a a segment on College Game Day the other day where uh, they actually interviewed a couple of the players. And one of the questions was, um, does Jim Harbaugh, you know, is he on the hot seat? Does he relate with you guys? And one of the players said, no comment. What does that mean? What what does that truly mean? D- does that player not want to comment and say, "Oh no, he he doesn't relate at all. We, we hate this guy. I, I hope he gets fired." D- d- is that what that means? I-, I think Jim Harbaugh is more on the hot seat than James Franklin. I'm right with you. I'm right with you. I think Jim Jim Harbaugh is definitely on the hot seat. James Franklin, I think that I mean he's had some guys that opted out that were going to play a big part of the season. And with it being a COVID year, I think that, I mean, Penn State's been pretty consistently one of the best three teams in the Big Ten 
since James Franklin James Franklin's taken over at Penn State, they never really had that bad drop off. But Jim Harbaugh has never lived up to the expectations that he was supposed to have at Michigan. He's always struggled with Michigan State and Ohio State. And yet again this year, Michigan State is terrible, and he can't even beat them then. Um, so I definitely think Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat. I was thinking, you know, preseason, oh, no, nah, I mean, he's fine. But I think the way that Michigan has lost this year shows that there's not a lot of – faith i feel like the upside on jim harbaugh is kind of washed away now and he, he is who he is and michigan is what are they are what they are and it's not a very good football team so jim harbaugh against ap top 25 teams is 11 and 15 narrow that down to top 10 teams he's 2 and 11 the only teams he's beaten he beat wisconsin in 2016 who was ranked number eight and he beat notre dame in 2019 who was also ranked number eight He's never beaten a top five team. He is 30 and six at home, but those six losses have come three times against Michigan State and three times against Ohio State. I think he's been on the hot seat. I mean, like Lando said, it sounds like the players have given up on him. And if if your players give up on you and it's very obvious that your players are giving up on you, even during a year like this year where COVID affected your offseason, um, You've had all these different things happen. They've had a lot of turnover in their coaching staff. They've had a lot of turnover on their team. Um, I think even in, a, even in a year like that, the way that they've been playing and the way that the players have been talking about him, obviously, has, uh, I think, unless he can beat Ohio State this year, I think that is his one saving grace. If he can beat Ohio State this year, he can keep his job. But if that doesn't happen, I think he's, he's long gone. James yeah. Franklin, I don't think he's even close to being on the hot seat. <laughs> I mean, they're consistently the number two team in the Big Ten. They've come close to being Ohio State almost every single year he's been there. This is, I think this is the first year where he, they just got absolutely annihilated. It wasn't even close. Um, I know last year wasn't super close either, but when they had Trace McSorley in there, they were in Saquon Barkley. He was, he was a play away, I, I think, at least twice from beating him. Um, I think this year he's obviously, like like Matt was saying, he's lost some guys to the opt-outs and – um, he's had a couple of things not go his way, but I mean, I, if this continues for the next three years, then absolutely. But I think, I think he probably gets a pass this year. Yeah, we have to look at this as well. It's not like Michigan is not getting top tier recruits. Michigan is a blue bu- blue blood top tier team in the country. People want to play at Michigan because it has that that prestige about it. So, how are you getting these top recruits and you are oh and three in a very weak big 10 and you still haven't beaten ohio state well they they beat minnesota at the beginning of the year so and and people were really high on minnesota i mean the point still stands they jim harbaugh is definitely on the hot seat and i don't even think beating ohio state this year would save his job depending on what the rest of the season dictates like if they if they go three and five and they're one of their wins is Michigan or is Ohio state. I don't even think that saves his job just because they, I mean, there just isn't any enthusiasm or excitement around that Michigan program anymore. Matt, I love you, man, but who cares about Minnesota? Nobody cares. Oh, oh, you, Oh, I you, don't care oh, about you. Minnesota. I don't care about Minnesota, but I mean, he's still one and two. 
I mean, and there and there were a lot of people that were really high on Minnesota coming into this season. Look, the boosters, the athletic director, the fans, the people who poured their hearts and souls into Michigan don't care. They don't give a damn if you beat Minnesota. They care if you beat Ohio wow. State and Penn State and Michigan State and go to the playoff and have a chance to win a national championship. And that is what Jim Harbaugh has not done. He can beat Minnesota. Oh, you're right. He he can beat Minnesota agree, for, for, for 100 you. years, and, and it still wouldn't matter. I mean, See, I agree with was, you. If he was at any other program, if he was at Minnesota or if he was at Illinois, I mean, he's won 10 games in the last – he's won three – he's had three 10-win seasons in the last four years, which is the first time that Michigan's done that since 1997 to 1999. And that's great. And if you're if you're like that in any other program, you're doing great. But Michigan is a blue blood national championship expectations program, and if they're not if they're not at least competing with Ohio State on a regular basis, you're not going to last very long. And he's only had one year really where he where he could have beaten Ohio State and probably should have beaten Ohio State, and that was 2016 uh, when they went into fourth overtime and they hit that fourth down play. Yeah, they had a great team that year. They probably would have won. They probably would have won the Big Ten if they would have if they would have won that game. Probably would have made the playoff. Um, I don't know if they really would have done well. I mean, I think Ohio State got blown out by Clemson that year anyway. That was that is the only year that Jim Harbaugh has been there where he's had a team that could actually make the playoff. Every year besides that, even though he's won in 10 games, he's not beating the he's not beating the top tier teams. So, it's that's not that's just not going to work for Michigan. I'm with y'all. He's Big 10 Mark he's Big 10 Mark Richt. Ooh. I mean, like he's Big 10 Mark Richt. Ooh, I that that statement doesn't give enough credit to Mark Rick. He's been I feel ten, like give, he's been ten Mark Rick seven years into being at Georgia. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, like it, obviously Mark Rick came out though out of the gates and he did things at Georgia that Georgia hadn't done in a while, and so it was like everybody started feeling pretty good. And the difference is, is everybody felt good about Jim Harbaugh just because he got hired and what he had done in the NFL with the Niners and with uh stanford so it was really easy to be excited about him but i mean honestly he's been he's done what mark rick did at the end of his career he's won the games that he was supposed to win he might lose one he's he he might not be able to win but he's not going to beat his rivals i'm gonna tell you one thing that jim harbaugh has done right since he's been at michigan and that has been to bring the jordan brand to the school i mean he's had he's had some some nasty recruiting classes and i think that the jordan brand did nothing but help that. I mean that that it was like, hey man, if you're if you're an athletic kid, 19, 18, 19 years old, and and you're gonna have the opportunity to get free Jordan Brand stuff, like you're you're all over that. Right. No, I agree with Lando. I, I think I think the best thing he's done for that program is bring him those uniforms, because then once he gets fired and the next coach gets to take over, he gets to use that Jordan Brand to recruit players. Right. I'm gonna tell you all right now. I think after this year, unless Jim Harbaugh can beat Ohio State. I think he gets fired, and I think they hire either P.J. Fleck or Luke Fickle. And I don't think Luke Fickle is going to go coach for Michigan, considering Ooh. he played at Ohio State and he coached at Ohio State. Ooh. I think P.J. Fleck – I think next year P.J. Fleck will be the head coach of Michigan. Now that Ooh, is a, my prediction. That's a good take there, Wit. That's a good now, take. Now, what, what if – what if Auburn sticks with Malzahn because his buyout's too high? South Carolina financially can't they can't get rid of of boom. Tennessee sticks with Pruitt for one more year again COVID. 
does Michigan go after Hugh Freeze and does Hugh Freeze go to Michigan? Because I feel like that would be a great landing spot for him. I mean, he he wouldn't have to compete. Honestly, I think Hugh Freeze already has a deal with an SEC team to sign this this offseason. And I think I think we all know who it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh. South Carolina? Yeah. South Carolina. Yeah. I mean that it may that the makes the most sense, but then I heard another job that would that, that may come open that I also thought could make some sense, and that's Virginia Tech. He's already in Virginia with Liberty. Virginia Tech has traditionally some winning. Uh, I've got a helper here that's trying to help me get my point across. Uh, I've got Virginia. Te- I think Virginia Tech can make some sense for Hugh Freeze. I actually wouldn't mind that. I actually would probably, well, being a Georgia fan, obviously, I would much rather see Hugh Freeze go to the ACC and coach Virginia Tech than I want him to come to. South Carolina and coach Will Mus- or, uh, coach uh, coach the Gamecocks, but um, I don't see. I don't know though, because you know, Will Muschamp's not done a great job there. He's having a really bad year, but he's got that five star quarterback coming in next year. Who I think it's Gunnar Stockton. He's from Georgia. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. And he's the one that recruited him. They're probably worried that they're going to lose him if Will Muschamp does get fired. So I mean, you might be right there. Maybe he'll maybe he'll skip out on South Carolina and go coach for. Uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, ar- arguably, Virginia Tech's probably a better program anyway, or it's a bigger it's a bigger program than South Carolina. So, I will say though, you tell you tell a kid like Gunnar Stockton, you get to play in Hugh Freeze's offense. I, I don't think he's going anywhere because he knows that he's going to have NFL potential. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Hugh Freeze could probably keep him. Speaking of the SEC, we have one last question from at Hunter Neal underscore, and he wants to know. Because Miss State has one of the worst offenses in the country, after Mike Leach was brought on to spark the offense, if this continues next year and there's no improvement, how long do you think he will last? All right. Well, I, I actually have done my research on some Mike Leach because I I thought the same thing when uh, you know you had so much success against LSU Week One. How how do you? There's no way that you keep your job for very long. And then I went back and looked at Mike Leach, year one at Texas Tech. Not a very good year. Same thing at Washington State. Terrible year, including the offensive numbers, not just record. My guess, my my gut says that you've got to give Leach three or four years, and he's a, he's a long-term guy. You don't bring him in and say, yeah, you're going to turn this thing around in a year. You bring him in to say, you're going to turn this thing around in three, four, five years, and you know that he's going to win you – He's going to go eight and four, nine and three, seven and six, pretty much every year. Uh, he's not. He's going to win you a game that you probably shouldn't have won, and he's going to lose you games that you probably shouldn't lose. And that's just the career path of Mike Leach. And I think you have to know that you're getting that whenever you hire him if you're Mississippi State. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that, Matt. You have to give the guy some time to get his players in there that will fit his his system. The players he has now don't fit his system. They're just they don't they don't mix well with that air raid type of offense. And the next several years, the next not I'm not gonna say next year, but year three is when we should start to see uh, Mississippi State's offense take off and be kind of like what Washington State's offense was. Uh, you have to give the guy some time to get his players in that that fit his system. Yeah, I think cons- considering that they switched from a team that really didn't throw the ball at all. I mean, they had Nick Fitzgerald, who was their quarterback. All he ever really did was run the ball. And before that, I mean, they had Dak with Mullen and, and whatnot. All those guys were recruited to 
block for the run and play for the run. They didn't really have the receivers that were super athletic, deep ball receivers like they're wanting to have um, with Mike Leach's offense. I think they probably end up giving him three – no, probably four to five years, I'd say. I'd say, three. yeah, year three is where they probably want to see that improvement, like Lando's saying, uh, once they start, he starts to get his recruits in. I think what's really going to hurt him, though, is the fact that Sam Pittman came in this year and is doing so well with Arkansas. And he was brought on to do the exact same thing, completely turned the program around, started over. I mean, he ended up getting lucky getting a guy like like Felipe Franks, who's playing really well after he really didn't play good at Florida and obviously got benched for Kyle Trask and the rest is history. But, but I mean, when you look at that and see a team that was so bad last year, the way that Arkansas was and the way they've turned it around with – even through like the COVID offseason and everything, I think that's definitely going to hurt the perspective that people look at with Leach. The difference between Mississippi State and Arkansas, though, is Arkansas isn't running that much of a different style of offense. So all Pittman had to go in there and do is change a couple things here and there offensively, but it's still the same base. So you still have the same type of players to run that scheme that they've been running for the past several years. I think a good example of what Mississippi State is right now and some people might say this this isn't a good example, but I'm going to say it's a good example, is Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech ran the triple option for years, and they finally decided to go to a more conventional, in today's age, a, a spread offense. Their first year, they were not that good. They were not good at all. And now you turn to this year, they're still not very good, but they are much improved. They are vastly improved from where they were. So you so when you when you have significant style changes in offensive philosophy, you have to give it time to to bear its fruit. I agree with both of you. And I also want to make the point that Kylan Hill opted out and that's Mississippi State's best offensive weapon. So not they, they lose their best offensive weapon. They've had guys transferring out left and right even beforehand because they did. They didn't really like Mike Leach. So Mike Leach has had to struggle to tussle to get the locker room to even buy in. And then I, I just I feel like in, in the Arkansas point, Arkansas honestly had more talent on their team than than Mississippi State did. Even even last year, I just think that that, that just shows how bad of a coach Chad Morris was. Yeah, they honestly did. I mean, you could see the guys that are playing really well, like Trey Burks and Rakeem Boyd, guys like that, who like, I mean, Rakeem Boyd had a good year last year, too. But so, like, some of these guys were just hidden. It's like it's like he didn't even know they were there. And, um, I mean, I think you can blame that on Chad Morris. I think you can blame that on quarterback play as well. Um, even though, like, Felipe Franks, yeah, he's had a good year. But, I mean, like, is he really one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC? This year, maybe on a normal year, I'd probably say no. But he's way better than anybody Arkansas has had since Brandon Allen. I mean, he's way better than – Nick Starkle was last year, um, the guy that they had transferred from SMU. Um, I can't remember his name, but but I mean those guys, those guys were awful. And Chad Morris obviously didn't help that at all. But the fact that they bringing in Felipe Franks helped a lot. But yeah, I mean Miss State, it's a project. I mean I think it's smart for them to. Obviously they weren't going to compete with Alabama or LSU the way that they're playing football. They're not going to recruit the same way. I mean, it's the same with Georgia Tech. If you're not recruiting the the big-bodied guys, the big recruits, you're not going to be able to run the ball against people. So I don't having a system like that, playing against the guys that Alabama recruits, the guys that LSU recruits, the guys that Auburn recruits, it's, it just wasn't going to work. So bringing in that air raid, at least trying it out, I think I think it, I still think it's smart. Obviously, it has not worked out this year, but I think 
most people probably could have predicted they really weren't going to have a great year. I think some people were kind of overrating, thinking Leach was going to come in and just completely change everything, bringing in Costello, especially with how they looked against LSU. If they would have gotten blasted by LSU, I think no one would really even be talking about it that much. But, but yeah, I think it's definitely still like a little five-year project for them. We're going to move on to our pour one out, cut them off segment. Lando, how about you go first for us? All right, so this week I am pouring it out for the late Alex Trebek, who we lost this Sunday at the age of 80. Uh, Alex Trebek was the host of Jeopardy for a long time. Jeopardy is one of my favorite shows. Uh, there, I went for a stretch for a couple years where I'd watch Jeopardy Monday through Friday, every week, religiously. Because Jeopardy is one of my favorite. Yeah, we used to watch it. We used to watch it in our apartment together, Lando. Yeah, back yeah, in yeah. College. Love Jeopardy. And uh, Alex Trebek passed away uh, on Sunday uh, after battling uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, so I'm pouring one out for Alex Trebek. May he rest in peace. And I hope he gives Jesus up there a great round of Jeopardy. And this week I am cutting off our good friend Chad. He's gonna hate me for this, but it is what it is. Chad is an alumni of georgia southern as we all are on this podcast however chad hates georgia southern and never picks them to win any football games the past two weeks he has picked against georgia southern to lose i I guess he had some good points but even still none of us usually ever pick against georgia southern and the past two weeks georgia southern has come out and won both of those football games so this week i'm cutting off chad because it's time for you to figure out that Georgia Southern is your school, and you need to show some school spirit. Matt, who are you pouring one out for? You know, I'm, I've got to pour an extra one out for Lando for uh, for his 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 rant there. That that was that was golden. Uh, first, I'm going to pour one out for uh, my my main man. Second week in a row, I'm pouring one out for Chase Elliott. Make that 2020 NASCAR Cup Series champion Chase Elliott, who yesterday paraded around in his car through the streets of Dawsonville, Georgia. Uh, you could almost hear the siren screaming from my house. It was a glorious Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, I'm claiming it is a, is a championship for the state of Georgia. He is from Dawsonville. Uh, Chase Elliott, way to go, bud. Um, and then I'm pouring out one for, for my main man, Keys. Like you said, he got his first deer this weekend. That is a big accomplishment in every man's life. So congrats, Keys. I, I know it's exciting. And I'm cutting off Justin Fuente. I, I, I feel like he's out of excuses at Virginia Tech. We talked about it whenever we were talking about Hugh Freeze. Really, like, Virginia Tech, even in recent history, is a pretty accomplished program. I mean, there, there's been years where they they have gone to several BCS, main B, big BCS bowls, uh, and they've been a, a top 25 program really my entire life. And they are – not good, one. And then two, he calls a timeout to ice the kicker for Liberty. His team blocks the field goal and takes it back to the house. It's all null and void. They lose the Liberty on that on the next field goal try. And you know it's a bad, a bad day for, for Justin Fuente. So Justin Fuente, you're cut off. Keys, what you got for us this week? First of all, thanks for the shout out. Appreciate that. Uh, but I'm pouring out one for BYU. They are just absolutely steamrolling this year. They're eight and zero. They trampled Boise State fifty-one to seventeen. So let's see where they can take that. And for this week, I'm cutting off Georgia. Unfortunately, 
they're all over the place. Stetson Bennett looked atrocious, and he separated his shoulder. We've got Dewan Mathis over there on the sideline, you know, hitting injured players, warming up with misfires. Key players out on injuries. It's just a disaster. Then they pretty much all but solidified the fact that they won't be up for any kind of title contention this year. So, cutting off Georgia. But you, Wit. Yeah, Georgia definitely deserves to be cut off. Um, but I am going to pour one out for, in honor of the Masters being this weekend, I'm going to the golf world. I'm pouring one out for John Rahm for easily the greatest hole-in-one I have ever seen in my entire life. If you have not seen this on Twitter or any social media you like to follow, look it up because it was absolutely unbelievable dude i was gonna talk about the i was gonna talk about that when we went to the masters but you just totally stole my thunder on that one (laughs) dude i can't he's i I had to pour one out for him i had to you want i'm gonna physically pour one out for him i just did right here i just poured one out i just poured out my beer on the floor poured one out for john romb it was unbelievable it's not water it's vodka water dude it was unreal uh, he skipped the water that was he skipped the wa- He not only skipped it. I've seen people hit hole in one skipping it off the water before. He not only skipped it off the water, but he it hit the front of the green and literally took like a complete one eighty turn. It was unbelievable. It was, was it was a, like, was like a, it hit the front of the green. It, it went like it went like thirty or forty feet. 50 that was a, that feet, was a tiger like. hook on that one. It was unreal. I it would that will never happen again. That will forever be known in my in my books. That will forever be known as the greatest golf shot ever. Period. There's no way that is. It's unbelievable. It was lucky as hell. It, it will never happen again. But it was. It was awesome. But um, I'm going to be cutting off Michigan State, and the reason I'm cutting off Michigan State, we kind of talked about it earlier. They lost to Rutgers week one, and then they turn around and beat Michigan. They get a win at Michigan, and then they get beat 49 to seven to Iowa. I mean, that it's just it's just bad. And like I like. I thought Michigan was going to be pretty, or Michigan State was going to be pretty bad coming into the year. You know, they changed coaches for the first time in years. I think it's probably been, I think it's been, it was 15 years since uh, D'Antonio was hired there. This is the first time they've had a new coach. And I really like Mel Tucker. I loved him at Georgia, obviously. He was a great defensive coordinator. I think he was starting to do a good job at Colorado, but it's, it is not, it is just not looking good this year. And a team like Michigan State, obviously they haven't been great the past couple of years anyway, but. It's they got to get it together. This inconsistency is just not just not what you want to see. And also, Chad wanted me to share his uh, pour one out. Cut him off with you guys. Chad has Marshall. He's pouring one out for Marshall because they are quietly undefeated. No one's talking about them, and they're ranked in the top twenty and playing really really good football. And he's going to cut off the Chargers because they are constantly blowing late game leads. Can, can I just say, I would pick Liberty over Marshall. You would pick, you would pour one out for Liberty over Marshall. I probably would too. I have no idea who Marshall played. No, I've not seen them play. I, not not, not pouring out, but if, if if I was picking a matchup, I'd pick Liberty over Marshall. One hundred percent. I think I probably would too. I did not watch the Virginia Tech game this weekend. I'm going to be honest, and I have not seen Marshall play at all this year. So I'm not going to act like I know how good either one of the teams are. Yeah, and Marshall's got a real tough matchup this week against uh, Middle Tennessee, who I once picked as my, oh my absolute low-ball underdog pick of the week against <laughs> North Texas. So, Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State might be the worst team in college football this year. So that if you're if you're betting on that game, take the over because Marshall will hit the over themselves. You know, I once went to a junior day at Middle Tennessee State. How was that? It was pretty cool. That that was back when I thought I was good enough to play college football. 
And then I saw uh, people there that were huge and a lot faster than me. And I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'm not going to play college football. Well, thanks, Lando, for the retirement story. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our locks of the week. Lando, we're going to let you start off. <laughs> All right. So for my lock <laughs> of the week, I'm going to stick with the uh, Liberty theme. I have Liberty over Western Carolina College. I have no idea that Western Carolina had a college. And Liberty is on fire. So I have Liberty. Matt. Over the Catamounts. I'm 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 picking a game. <laughs> my, my bad. It, Western Carolina is the Catamounts, right? It's if it's Western Carolina University, then it's the Catamounts. Don't ask Whit about if mascots. You know he doesn't know any of this. I actually no Western Carolina Catamounts. I know. I know that they're the Catamounts. If it's Western Carolina College, I have no idea because I didn't even know there was a Western. It's Carolina WCU. College. Okay, it's the Catamounts then. Okay, yeah. All right. Anyways, so I am actually picking a game that I will be attending. Uh, Ole Miss over South Carolina. I know Ole Miss opened up as the favorite. Um, as an Ole Miss student, I cannot pick against them this year, except for when they play Alabama, apparently. Uh, but if you look at Ole Miss's offense, they've been up and down. They were, did really well their first three weeks. They were atrocious against Arkansas. They still had a chance to win that game. They lost to Auburn in a game that they really should have won then. They then destroyed Vandy, who it's still Vandy. But South Carolina hasn't really shown me anything this year. I almost feel like that team has kind of given up. I think if Ole Miss scores early, it's going to kind of kill the will of that South Carolina team. And I am going with the home team Rebels on Military Appreciation Night to come out victorious over the Cox. Wit, what you got? So originally I was going to pick Tennessee to upset Texas A&M as my, as you guys know, I always go with the upset for my lock of the week. Um, and the reason I was going to do that was because I'm a big fan of Harrison Bailey, like I've talked about before. And I actually didn't even know this, but I found this out this weekend because he got in for the volunteers. He is number four in Georgia high school history in passing yards behind Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, and Jake Fromm. So I, I think he's gonna be really good, but obviously that game got canceled, so I had to take it. I had to change it. I'm going with Penn State to beat Nebraska, get their first win of the year. Um, even though Penn State's been playing some really bad football, I think they are. They're still a good team. They have good recruited players. James Franklin's a good coach. Obviously, I think that they have a lot they need to work on, but. I think Nebraska is another team that just is really not playing well. I don't think Scott Frost is doing a great job there. They've had some good moments where they've looked good in games like Ohio State. I think Penn State's going to get the win. Uh, Keys, what's your lock of the week? So I'm going with an upset, but not an upset. I'm going with number two, Notre Dame at Boston College. And I say not an upset because I'm actually going with Notre Dame, but I wanted to pick the game that I thought could be an upset. Uh, Notre Dame's coming off a good win over a bleeding Clemson. Uh, we'll see if they can live up to their hype yet again as they play Boston College, which is a team that gave Clemson a run for their money a couple weeks ago. And and I know Boston College has a couple of losses, but I, I still think that they're a decent team. Uh, and I, I, I still don't think that Notre Dame is as good as portrayed. They're not elite, as we say, but they're, they're obviously very good. They did beat Clemson. Regardless of if you say it's because they didn't have their star quarterback, Clemson's still a very good team. 
But I, I do like I do like the matchup. I, I want to see Boston College give them a run for their money. But I do have Notre Dame winning this game. Look at Keys going for Notre Dame again. That's two weeks in a row. But, I was right uh, last week. Let's go ahead. And, yeah, you were you were right last week. I mean, roll with the hot hand, I guess. But let's go ahead and jump into our picks. Obviously, every week we start with our alma mater, Georgia Southern. This week they are playing Texas State at home in the Boston Stadium. They are a ten and a half point favorite. Lando, who are you picking? Texas State sucks. Georgia Southern by ten. Matt, you know I uh, I, I think that Georgia Southern is going to win. They're in Paulson. They're not going to blow anybody out this year, I don't think. So I'm going Southern by eight. Well, obviously, I'm not picking against Georgia Southern. Texas State is giving up 475 yards a game. 200 of that is coming from rushing yards. Southern is averaging 260 rushing yards a game. And I think they go for way more than that on Saturday. I got Eags winning by 20. And Chad has – he's got Southern winning by 21. He thinks Texas State is not as bad as the record says they are, but he thinks Georgia Southern will pull away in the fourth. Um, Color we're going to move shot. on to our next Chad game. Pick Southern. <laughs> Chad picks Southern. We need to make sure make sure uh, that is in the history books. But we're going to move on to the next game. And uh, this is Keys' Keys's lock of the week, second week in a row. He's, he's put his lock of the week as a game we're picking. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> I, see, I didn't even I – didn't I read the script, and I didn't even I see it you, again. Sorry. I, I, I knew you didn't know. The same as last week, but uh, we Look, got number it's, two. It's fair, enough. fair enough. I don't pick picks anyway, so just whatever. Go with it. That's why I'll let you do it. Number two, Notre Dame is a 13 and a half point favorite heading into Boston College. Lando, who are you picking? Yeah, Notre Dame better be real careful during this game. They're coming off a uh, emotional win against Clemson overtime game. Uh, and Boston College has proven to be quite dangerous. So Notre Dame better come out there and play some really good football or else they're going to get beat. But even still, I have Notre Dame winning by 15. I think overall they're the better team. Their defense is pretty good. Yeah, I I, I think Boston College is going to kind of do what they did to Clemson. They're going to come out and get them early. Uh, it's a home game for BC. I don't think they're going to have any fans in the stands up there. But still, being at home, there's there's just a different vibe. And I think that Notre Dame coming off of that home win is emotional right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to – say that Notre Dame comes back and wins this game, but I think they're going to win by five. I think it's going to be a really close game because Boston College uh, has pretty good talent, and, and I really think that they're they're a young team, and they're going to come out and they're, they're, they're going to play hard and push Notre Dame to the brink, but Notre Dame comes out victorious. Wit. So Notre Dame was 3-8 and eight versus top 10 teams coming into the Clemson game this past weekend. And after being reminded about that every single day since 2012, that they are not worthy of the hype, they finally got the monkey off their back. I think Notre Dame is legitimately a top-five team this year. I think Ian Book is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen play for the Irish, not named Brady Quinn. Probably the best quarterback I've seen play for him, not named Brady Quinn. But a win like that is hard to get over. And in college football, you can't get a big head. So I'm actually going to take Boston College to shock the world and upset number two Notre Dame at home. Um, I think Boston College is going to win the game by three. And Chad is picking Notre Dame by seven, and he thinks they're going to sleepwalk through the game. And he said, don't be surprised if they get upset. Our next game, our, one of our Big Ten games of the week, we have a sneaky these, – these teams are very sneakily undefeated. Uh, we have number 23, Northwestern, who's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, going into Purdue. Lando, who do you think is going to win the game? Northwestern's pretty good, and they've been trending that way for the past several years. 
So I'm going to go with Northwestern by a safety. Matt, who you got? So I actually uh, am going to go with Purdue in this game. Um, I I watched Purdue when they played Nebraska. It was a 21-13 win. Um, And I know Nebraska isn't great, and Scott Frost is starting to feel some pressure there. But I really think that Northwestern, who is also a good team this year, I think this is going to be a pretty good game. But I really like Purdue offensively to come out and score a few uh, a few points. I think it's going to be a tight game. I've got Purdue winning this one like a 24-21 three-point game in favor of the Boilermakers. Wit, who you got? So I'm going to pick Northwestern to win the game. I think the only reason Northwestern will win this game is because Rondell Moore, even though he opted back into the season, he has not played so far this year. And from what I've heard on Twitter and just doing some research – it sounds like he's supposed to play in this game, but he's also he was also supposed to play in the last two games too. So he might just not play at all this year. So if, so if he doesn't play, I don't think they have a shot. I mean, I think they have some good players. David Bell's a really good receiver. Um, but Rondell Moore is obviously their game changer. And if he's not there, I think Northwestern's defense is just going to be too much for him. I think Peyton Ramsey is a really good quarterback um, or – He's, a, he's, he's good. He's, he's a great quarterback for Northwestern, and um, I think he's good enough to get that offense going, good enough to beat Purdue. So I'm taking Northwestern by 10. And Chad actually has the same thing. He's got Northwestern by 10, and he's, he said Peyton Ramsey is the best quarterback that nobody knows about, and he's going to be the difference in the game. And moving on to our next Big Ten game, and our last Big Ten game is number three, Ohio State. They're a 25-point favorite at Maryland. Lando, who you got? Not even close. Ohio State, big, Matt. Ohio State blows them out. I don't see a way that – I mean, I know Maryland's had a couple of good weeks here recently, but not this week. Ohio State's a team on a mission. They win. I'm going to go. They're going to cover. Uh, they win by 30. Yeah, I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. And, like, I know I've said it every week. I'm going to keep saying it until they give me a reason not to. Um, but I think Maryland gives them a better game than most people think they will. Uh, after Talia threw three picks in that week one game um, against, I guess it was Northwestern, um, he's thrown six touchdowns and one pick in the last two games. Not to mention uh, 2019 five-star freshman Rakeem Jarrett. Uh, he was their big pickup last season. Uh, he broke out against Penn State. He went for 144 yards and two touchdowns. I think the offense is really dangerous. I think Loxley's starting to get them going. Um, and Ohio State still has some holes in their secondary. But I think Ohio State's still going to win the game. I think they're going to win by 13. And Chad has Ohio State winning, but by only seven, he thinks Talia is going to keep it close with them. Um, and moving on to our next game, we got Arkansas and uh, Felipe Franks' return to the Swamp. They're heading into number six, Florida. Florida is a 17.5-point favorite. And uh, Lando, you got first pick. This game will be won in the trenches. It's going to be the team that will come out and – Punch somebody in the mouth first. I think Florida's going to do that, and I don't think Arkansas is going to be able to keep up with Florida's offense. So I have Florida uh, by 10, Matt. I think that Arkansas is going to keep it closer than a lot of people are going to think. Arkansas, for whatever reason, defensively, they've made teams play ugly. Now, they haven't played a team with the offensive power that uh, Florida has. I still think that Arkansas is going to keep it close. I just don't think that Arkansas is going to have the offense, kind of like Georgia last week, to keep up with Florida. Um, 
So I'm going to I'm going to take Florida here. I think Florida's going to win this one by 17, but it's going to be closer than the score says. So Felipe Franks statistically has actually been the fifth best quarterback in the SEC this year. And Florida's defense is giving up over 400 yards a game. Um, I'm going to take Florida to win, but I think Arkansas is going to hang tight and at least cover the spread. I think Florida's probably going to win by like 15, uh, definitely more than 10. More than 10, but less than 17, so I'm going to say 15. And Chad's got Florida winning by 10. He thinks Felipe is going to play well, and uh, but Florida's going to be shaky coming off that big win against Georgia last week. All right, so we'll get into our uh, our last game we're picking this week. Uh, we were going to pick the LSU-Alabama game, but obviously that game got postponed. So our last game is Wisconsin at Michigan. Lando, uh, who are you taking in this game? So I want to be perfectly clear when I say this. Michigan has to win this game if Jim Harbaugh expects to make it to the end of the season. Wisconsin is playing their first game of the season, and they haven't played any meaningful football since last year. Michigan's 0-3, but they've still played football this year, and they still have some some camaraderie built up and some some game speed built up. However, I don't think it's going to matter because Michigan is just that bad. So I have Wisconsin winning by five. Matt, who you have? Yeah, I think that Michigan has to win this game for Jim Harbaugh in order to keep his job, but I don't think they're going to. I think uh, what we saw from Wisconsin's offense against uh, against Illinois really showed that they've kind of taken that leap, and they're not just a line up under the quarterback and hand the ball off 30 times a game offense anymore. They're going to be able to get get the job done through the air. I think Wisconsin, even with the two weeks off or three weeks off that they've had, I think that they're going to come out. They're going to play just fine. Uh, and, you know, they're going to knock the rest off pretty quickly. I think Wisconsin wins this game, and they win this game pretty, pretty handily uh, by 13 points. Wit. So I probably would be picking Wisconsin kind of like our URM Matt if I would have gotten to see him for the past two weeks. And um, I think this game would be a lot easier if not for all that cancellation. But based on what I've seen so far – um, like I said, I think Wisconsin's a better team. and But after week one, I thought Michigan had turned it around too. So I really don't know anything about these teams. If this game is actually played, I'm going to say Michigan gets the win, even though I think the Badgers are better. But since Wisconsin hasn't been able to play or hasn't even been able to practice for the past two weeks because of having everything closed down because of the coronavirus, I think it's going to be rough for them. I think Michigan's going to win the game by 10. Um, I would honestly love to see Wisconsin play really well. Um, I, I, Wisconsin's one of my, one of the teams I like the most in the Big Ten because of the way they play football, um, and I really like Graham Mertz. I liked him coming out of high school too, but I think Michigan's going to end up winning the game. And Chad has Wisconsin by seventeen because they are well rested, and Michigan is free falling. So that was our last game, but we have one more pick this week in honor of the Masters and College Game Day being at the Masters, we will pick who we think is going to win the green jacket this weekend. Lando, who's winning it? So, Witt, why don't you have the reigning and defending Masters champion, Tiger Woods, in, 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 our, in our favorites here? I picked the favorites or odds-on favorites I found on FanDuel. Oh, I got you. So t- I just so t- did the top five. So Tiger Woods isn't the odds-on favorite this week? He's not a top five favorite, no. He was on there. He was. I think he was top Ten or fifteen. I tried to look for him because I was going to put him in there, but I decided to throw the top five. Okay. Well, you know, for me, it depends on how the course plays. Um, 
And it also depends on whether Justin Thomas can stay out of his own head. Uh, out of these favorites that we have, um, I kind of like Justin Thomas because he's, 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 he's a pretty good golfer, but they have to watch out for El Tigre, Tiger Woods, because he is always going to be hawking on somebody's neck and putting the pressure on the, the people ahead like he did last year. So I, I'm going to go with the obvious pick. I'm going to pick Tiger Woods. You know, I, I love that pick just because I love the Tiger being on the prowl on a Sunday in red at Augusta. There's just something special about it. Um, but I, I think that that was Tiger's last moment in the sun last year, unfortunately. I don't, I don't, I, I would love to see him continue to have success, but I just don't know that it's going to happen uh, just based on, on what's going on. Uh, I'm going with my, uh, this is a, 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 not a really a, I think he's going to, but I really want him to. I want Justin Thomas to win this thing. Uh, he's my favorite golfer, uh, has been since he really broke into the PGA. Uh, I like him a lot. Alabama grad, naturally got to go with the, uh, Alabama guy, but I, I really hope that Justin Thomas can pull this one out. That's who I'm picking this week with. So if I could have anybody win this, if I could choose who could win this, it would be Ricky Fowler because I love Ricky Fowler. The guy has gotten so close to winning a major. Um, it's just been ridiculous, and it's been, honestly been sad to see him not not win one so far, and I really hope he wins it. But um, I haven't really watched a lot of golf this year, but Justin Thomas is my favorite golfer. He has been my favorite golfer since I met him at Alabama Golf Camp in eighth grade. Dude was one of the nicest pro athletes I have ever met in my life. And um, I actually followed him on Snapchat after he won the PGA Championship uh, back a couple years ago. I can't remember exactly the year. I think it might have been 2017. And um, he actually, they give you like, a, it's like a jug you win. And he took a big sip of some kind of liquor from the jug and he put it on his Snapchat story. So he's he's an awesome guy. He's just fantastic. Um, I think I think he's going to be the one that ends up winning this re- weekend, and uh, I think he's going to kind of use that to propel his propel his career a little bit more than he already has. Even though he's been he's been on and off number one for a while, but he's a fantastic golfer, and I, I think I think he's going to win it. Chad has Dustin Johnson to win. Also, that was his pick. DJ's another guy like Ricky Fowler. He's been so close so many times and just absolutely chokes on Sundays of of major tournaments. Yeah, and as for Bryson DeChambeau, I think the course is too short for him. I think he's actually gonna gonna like his game doesn't play to this course. Did you hear that he's he's going for he's gonna change his driver to it's like a four four hundred and eighty something. I don't know. I don't I don't know exactly the specifics of all the techs that go into golf swinging and clubs and whatnot. But he's he's gonna have the longest driver you're allowed to have in a golf tournament. And, I, and to have a longer drive. And I'm, and I, I saw that, I think it was actually this morning that Bleacher Report put that out. And I was like, why in the world would you go for a longer driver when you're driving the ball longer than everybody else on tour? Right. I, and I mean, he's been playing great. He's the favorite to win, though. This I'm, course, this I'm course, not a fan of Bryson DeChambeau. This course, you, you don't need to have a booming driver. It's, 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 it's not necessary. And I think it's actually going to gonna put him in a lot of trouble. And and he's gonna he's gonna find himself pretty far back, in my opinion. I don't know. I mean, like Bubba Watson, when he's won it, he's he's got himself into some bad situations. But his his driver is kind of what helped him win. So maybe I, I guess Deshambo is kind of going with that thought. 
I don't know if Tiger Woods PGA Tour at the Masters Xbox video game teaches you much about the course, but I know when I used to dominate that game as Whit Barfield, the the young up and coming uh, superstar in, on tour, the you Lando's right. It's not a long course. I mean, the the way that you you get your you get your strokes on that course is you get them at the par five, and you really don't have to go for a driver. You can hit a three wood or whatever, get it in the middle of the green, have a good shot. At, getting there, getting on in too. So I, I like <laughs> some of these guys like Dustin, Dustin Johnson's his biggest thing is his driver too. John Rahm's the same way. I don't think those guys Brooks Brooks is like that too, but Brooks also has a really good short game. I like those guys. They, I don't think those guys normally win. Like I know Bubba, Bubba Watson won. Uh, he won two of them, but he, I mean, I think he's, he has, he's also like that though. He's got more he's got a good short game. He's really good with his wedges. I also feel like the course kind of plays in favor to lefties. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at Phil. Like, so, right, right, right. So, I mean, like, if you if you are a lefty and you have a long driver like like Bubba Watson, it definitely – I feel like it plays into his favor for him to just go yaya on every driver. I mean, he, he's got he's got no reason not to. Yeah, Does it confirm that there will not be fans at the Masters this year? Yeah, I believe it's confirmed. That's rough. Yeah, it's, and it's I think sad. Depending on the weather this week, uh, I know here where I am, it's 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 kind of kind of ugly, kind of misty and cold. Uh, if it if the weather gets better, I think we can see some really low scores. I'm really curious to see how the course plays at this time of year. I mean, because it's like I know it hasn't gotten super cold in Augusta yet, but they've had cooler weather now than they would have had in April. And I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, I know the the grounds crew in Augusta. There, there. I mean, there's there's not going to be any issue with the condition of the course. But I'm curious as to. I wonder if it's going to play a little faster or even a little slower, just based on the time of the year that they're playing it, because yeah. it's it's had more traffic on it than it normally would have at this point like when they play in April. Yeah, and I think due to the the temperature this time of year and the and the amount of of rain we've gotten in the past couple of weeks, I think I think the greens are going to be are going to play a little slower than they would in April. So over under on how many times the different ESPN obviously is going to be covering the Masters uh with College Game Day and then um I believe it's on is it on NBC every year is that right or is it CBS? So CBS. 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 Over under on how many times ESPN and CBS talk about the different colors of the trees and the different colors of the flowers than it usually is because they're playing in the fall and not the spring. Because I'm I'm going at least a hundred. I think they'll talk about it at least a hundred times. Oh, they're going to talk about it the entire I, I'm, weekend. I'm with you, but I heard rumors, and now I don't know if this is true, but I heard rumors that they were going to have a company that like had azaleas planted and ready and blooming and they were going to have the azaleas out and about throughout the course this week i know i don't i don't know if that's true or not but the azaleas typically wouldn't be in bloom this time of year so i I don't know what we're gonna do i mean for me if if i ever had the opportunity to go to the masters and this is probably gonna sound blasphemous but i don't i don't give a shit about going to see some some flowers now, now, some cool looking trees and 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 some nice foliage, as you would call it. Now that that's something I would go to see. Yeah, no one really cares about the good golf. It's all about the foliage, the flowers, the beautiful greens, 
Amen corner. Amen corner. That front little area. I've seen that. I've never been to the Masters. I've never been inside Augusta National. But when I, I went, I've been to Augusta a couple of times. If you go up to, I don't know if y'all, if y'all have ever even tried to do this or if y'all been to Augusta. If you go up to, there's a big gate that blocks off. Y'all know that front little entrance that goes into the clubhouse and they have like the flags up and then they have like the yeah. flowers that, um, like it shows like the, like the United States of America with the, with the flag coming out, like the logo of the masters and flowers. I've seen that. I've peeked in and been able to see that. So that was really cool, but it is Magnolia 100%. lane, baby it is 100% my, um, that is on my bucket list. That is, at the, that is at the top of my bucket list to get out there. I was hoping to try and do it this year, but obviously didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Would you guys rather go, I to, got a to, go to a Super Bowl or go to the masters? Masters. Ooh. I'd go to the Masters. Are the Falcons playing in the Super Bowl? If so, then Masters. Never. They're never playing in the Super Bowl again. <laughs> it's not happening. I, I don't even watch golf like that. I don't and care I would enough about the NFL. Exactly. Exactly. That's a lot of money. Too. I, would I don't care go, about the NFL enough. How much does it cost? I would rather really go to the final. You have to have it be a member. It, it, well, they only have limited tickets. You have to enter a lottery. Yeah. Is it as expensive as if you if you win the lottery? Is it expensive as the uh, as the Super Bowl? No. If as you win the lottery, no. face value you get you get the tickets for face value if you win the lottery. But the resale on those things is like two grand. Yeah, still cheaper. Oh, I don't know about that. Is it really? Yeah. It, well, I guess, I think it depends on what day you go. But last I know last year it was like seventeen hundred dollars for a ticket on resale. Wow. On like StubHub. That's still cheaper than any ticket I've ever seen for the Super Bowl. For was that final day when Tiger was winning? This was on Saturday before wow. Tiger was like so I mean like it, like it it's expensive. I know it'll, it it they'll be like 50 they'll be over a grand for a ticket easily. But I I've, I've had the 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 experience. I got to go to a practice round uh whenever I was 11 and didn't think anything like I, I didn't really care about like i didn't understand what i was getting to experience or witness um my granddad he actually won the lottery for the weekend and a and and a practice round which is like unheard of but he had been on the list for like 20 years uh i skipped school that tuesday went to like they did the the par three stuff like arnie jack they were all out there it was really cool except for I didn't really care or understand how cool it was at the time. Um, but I, I think the coolest thing to me about Augusta National is Augusta outside of Augusta National is, is one of the most disgusting places ever. Like it is Augusta, hellhole. Georgia is not it's, – it, its nickname is Disgusta for a reason. And then, like, you go into Augusta National and it's this really nice, like, manicured golf course and it the history that's there and the coolest thing about it to me is like how cheap the food and beverages are like you still get an egg salad sandwich for a buck 50 and a beer for three or four bucks like to me that is the beauty of the masters is like they have never gone away from what they're good at and that's the pimento cheese sandwiches for a dollar 50 the egg salad sandwiches for a dollar 50 and three dollar cold beers Apparently, they're actually, if you go on the Masters website, you can buy a package and they'll send you the pimento cheese sandwiches, the $4 beers, all of that to like, they'll send it to your house. I heard about this on a podcast I was listening to earlier this week and I was like, wow, that's actually 
it's actually really cool because you know because i guess because they're not having fans i honestly didn't even think about that well thank you guys again we always appreciate y'all coming and listening to our podcast please follow us on twitter at around the keg pod and on instagram at around the keg obviously this week our show is based around the mailbag so if there's something you guys want to hear something you guys want us to talk about please send us dms uh, i know a lot of you guys are friends with us right now but we uh we absolutely appreciate questions and uh, we're always happy to talk about the things you guys want to talk about like i always say on the show we do this thing we do this show for you guys we don't do it for us so thanks again and uh we hope y'all have a good week see y'all